everybody. Welcome back to the Bold Sidebar. This is your host, Jeff Horn, talking all things New Jersey Supreme Court. I'm recording on October 23, 2022, a Sunday. This is the first time I'm trying to also capture a video of the podcast. Smart people that know something about digital media say everything should be on video. Hence, I'm sitting in my office with, let's say, a stubble of a shave, a, an old T-shirt, and my Ramapo Roadrunners ball cap on. I'll note that we had a great weekend already. The Ramapo Roadrunner swim team versus the Baruch team, as well as the Kane team, and both the men and women had a successful meet. Lots of improved times from earlier in the year, and the uh, team is off to, I guess if that was, if that's a try meet, you get two wins at once, off to a two and one start. So let's just get into it. It's a couple months since the court has dropped a substantive opinion. Of course, the court is always cranking out an enormous amount of administrative activity, handling a, a wide range of matters. There's been several days of oral argument in the uh, past couple of months. But as the, you will recall, the court was down to four sworn justices with three appellate division justices temporarily pulled up. Judge Fashali, who is now Justice Fashali, we'll get to that in a minute. Judge Fuentes, who we've had uh, around for an extended visit to the New Jersey Supreme Court, and also Judge Clarkson Fisher. So we've got two new sworn in justices as of October 21, 2022. They are, of course, as I just mentioned, former appellate division judge Douglas Fischali and former New Jersey Deputy Attorney General for Civil Rights, Rachel Wayner Amter. Of course, you've heard her name on the podcast many times because of her nomination all the way back to March of 2021. Got held up because of machinations in Trenton. We've talked about that repeatedly and finally got broken loose. So good work by uh, the Senate and the governor to get this done. And hopefully we have a top-down revolution. That is that the nearing 100 vacancies at the trial court level also get filled quickly and cases can move. There was an opinion we discussed a few weeks ago where Chief Justice Ragnar acknowledged that there were some 6,000 inmates awaiting trial. So 6,000 pipeline inmates, that's not counting people that are on the outside on the street, as my criminal defense lawyer friends say. People that are on the street are not too worried about what's happening, but people that are sitting in jail certainly have a right to a speedy trial, and the courts are working hard, throwing a lot of resources at the criminal part to try to get the cases resolved. Hopefully people haven't served more time than they would be had they pled guilty. And uh, the smoothness that comes from a well-oiled system will return in the post-COVID era with a bunch of new Superior Court judges coming on board. It's happening. Whether there will be an avalanche of judges to take care of the backlog, we'll see. But some top-down stuff is good, good work and certainly will help the court keep up with its 75-odd opinions that it issues every year, in addition to all of its other many tasks. And hopefully the post-COVID era allows the court to go back to prioritizing its focuses and not having to uh, handle things in a, a triage manner while also 
make rendering the decisions that will shape the law and society into the future. I thought it would be fun, it would be fun for me, hopefully for you guys, to reset the deck. Who do we have? Who's sworn in? Who's on board? I would indicate that when I looked at the Supreme Court website today, there are bios of four sitting justices. So our new justices just sworn in on the 21st of October, two days ago, have not had their bios uploaded just yet. I also understand just from reading the articles that there has not been the the fun acceptance speech for new justices that has been a tradition. It's ordinarily videotaped and made available to the public. And you can learn a lot from those ceremonies and, and some of the lightheartedness that the justices, the new justices tend to bring with them when they are nominated and speaking to family and friends. And we get to eavesdrop through the magic of a streaming video. Anyway, there's, I don't believe those ceremonies have occurred and those videos do not exist just yet. When they do, I will take a look and uh, perhaps comment on New Justice Fashali and New Justice Wainer after. I also will note that although both justices went up together, one Democrat, one Republican, keeping that tradition that spans all the way back to the 1947 Constitution and when the court was reconstituted under the 47 Constitution with Chief Justice Arthur Vanderbilt in place, that the court has uh, maintained that balance all along. I read the tea leaves indicating that perhaps why two justices had to move at once was to keep everybody honest. We still have a vacancy, and I'll get to our next likely vacancy as we walk through our justices who, who we've got. So let's start at the top. Chief Justice Rabner. We all have heard a lot about Chief Justice Rabner. He's been in place since 2007. Chris Christie nomination. He was a U.S. attorney. He comes from our double Ivy background, a Princeton undergrad, Harvard Law School, a Passaic, New Jersey native, handled criminal cases in the U.S. Attorney's Office, moved up in that office. And of course, although he comes in from the Democratic side, was nominated by Republican Governor Christie and worked, you would imagine, hand in hand. Certainly seems like when they're any time together or speaking regarding one another, they have a lot of respect and affection for one another. So it comes out of that U.S. Attorney tradition. And he is a young Chief Justice and will serve just about as long as any Chief Justice once he hits the age of 70, uh, constitutional senality, as the great Justice O'Hearn was often heard to say. Next in seniority is Justice Ann Patterson. I don't say this flippantly, it's two T's. It's an easy mistake. A-N-N-E Patterson, a Trenton, New Jersey native. Another double Ivy, Dartmouth undergrad, Cornell Law School, comes out of a long career in private practice with Riker Danzig, also served as a deputy attorney general handling civil litigation and appeals when she was interviewed for the job of New Jersey Supreme Court by the state Senate Judiciary Committee. The comment was about Justice Patterson that she's the most astonishing knowledge of every case that she ever handled and could not be stumped 
on the slightest detail, has been serving on the court now for 11 years and will wind up with a lot of years of service when she hits mandatory retirement. Next is Justice Lee Solomon. He is a relative short-timer. He will hit the age of 70 in August of 2024. So we've got to keep our eye on that. Again, the idea coming out of Trenton is that Justice Solomon, a Republican, would be replaced by a Republican, and the vacant seat would, would be balanced out with a Democrat, and that they would move in patterns of two. Now, Justice Solomon, as I say, is 68 years of age. The number of careers and sub-careers that he's had is simply dizzying. So he's been on the court already for a number of years. He is a Muhlenberg undergrad in Widener Law School. Score one for Widener Law School, my uh, law school. He came up as a practicing attorney as well as through the ranks of elective politics. Haddon Heights, a borough council member, Camden County Freeholders, now commissioners, served five years in the assembly, served as a deputy U.S. attorney, served for six years as the Camden County prosecutor. He went on the bench for a while, trial court, left the bench to become the head of the BPU, then went back on the bench. While at the trial level, Justice Solomon served in family, criminal, civil, and served as assignment judge of the Camden vicinage. So I don't know how he's packed all these things into his 68 years. And as I say, he's got under two years to go. And hopefully the, court, the Senate and, and governor will, will make good. We'll still have the same governor for sure. So hopefully the wheels will spin and we'll have a, a full slate I prefer a full slate sooner rather than later, but in any event, by Justice Solomon's mandatory retirement. Next is our youngest justice, Justice Pierre Louis, who was born in 1980. So still going to be the youngest, even though Rachel Wainer after was born approximately 1981. It's not clear from the articles that I've read, but it seems like Justice Pierre Louis will, will barely retain the youngest justice moniker. Obviously, we'll have many, many years of service by the time she reaches mandatory retirement. She is a double Rutgers graduate, score one for Rutgers, Rutgers undergraduate degree for myself, born in Brooklyn, raised in Irvington, New Jersey, had a long career with Montgomery McCracken as a partner, also assistant U.S. attorney in the criminal division. She was a law clerk, interestingly, for Justice John Wallace, and uh, been watching the politics of the New Jersey Supreme Court, it was Justice John Wallace who was not renominated for tenure after a very long career on the bench, after seven years on the Supreme Court with oh, maybe a year or two to go. Governor Christie did not renominate him. That caused a huge stalemate in Trenton, left a vacancy for almost four years that was filled primarily by appellate division judge Mary Catherine Cuff. I've mentioned her numerous times in here because of her long, long service on the court without ever having the title of justice. She was temporarily assigned for approximately, I think it's 46 months if I have it right. Uh, I had spoken to Judge Cuff 
a few months ago when she arbitrated a case for us. So not only does Justice Pierre Louis have the distinction of having clerked for Justice Wallace, but she takes his spot that was finally filled once the logjam was broken in Trenton. So it brings us to the mini bios of our two newest justices, Justice Wayner Apter, will be sort of one minute senior to Justice Fashali on the New Jersey Supreme Court, sort of like when twins are born. So the twins, Rachel Wayner after a Rockaway, New Jersey native. She's a double Ivy, UPenn undergraduate, Harvard Law School, district court judge clerkships for Robert Katzman, Judge Rakoff, and most notably a U.S. Supreme Court clerkship with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when you type her name into any kind of court search, you find that she has been involved with dozens of U.S. Supreme Court matters, matters while she was in practice, as well as during her service with the ACLU. She as in her role as the director of civil rights in the New Jersey Attorney General's office. She led the New Jersey litigation addressing the application by Texas and others to end the DACA program, deferred action on childhood arrivals. This is a controversial step to essentially normalize the treatment of children who come across as illegal immigrants. And Texas and other states wanted to have a much more harsh approach. The New Jersey team was successful in defeating the application to end the DACA program. And our newest justice, although hardly newest to the bench, Douglas Fischali, comes out of the Hoagland Longo firm, a big litigation firm in New Brunswick, a double Seton Hall graduate, Seton Hall undergrad, Seton Hall Law School, nominated to the bench in 2004, served as the presiding judge of criminal and civil in just a short time on the trial court bench and now has been on the appellate division for 12 years prior to rising to the New Jersey Supreme Court. Reports are that in addition to his lawyering and judicial skills that he is a skilled saxophone player. And I made a mistake in not mentioning that we have up from the appellate division, Judge Sabatino as Judge Fisher, who had the job as on the eve of retiring. And Judge Sabatino then would be the call-up judge serving as the seventh justice on at least a temporary basis. Who knows how temporary? Well, that's it in a nutshell for today. As soon as we have some cases, we'll jump back in. As anything else interesting happens, I will be delighted to take a look and share it. I hope you enjoyed this little kind of, this is kind of a dessert episode without cases, just talking about our New Jersey Supreme Court, uh, the pedigree, experience. I think it's top notch. I also appreciate the fact that when bringing up two justices, you, you got one very young justice and one very seasoned judge. So it's, a, it's an excellent mix for the new additions to the bench. And we'll look forward to one and then another coming along 
and by uh, 2024, as well as filling up the trial court bench. That's it for today. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>